We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And it's funny, Chris, we were talking. Is that static? I am adjusting your levels because it's hilarious. They always need adjusting. Everything Chris, and see, you are the consummate professional. You are the engine that drives the Rock Pile Report Podcast. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. I'm just some dick with a microphone. So before we started recording tonight, Chris and I were talking about this. Talking, we were more kind of laughing about uh, the concept. So, so as we were kind of scrolling around looking at headlines before we started recording, there was an ad for an article that I will not read uh, that basically hit on the fact that RG3 was complaining about watching the NFL Network. Oh, that's completely different. I know. So, so, it's completely different. No, no. It was, but it's the, the same. No, I was, I was no. on, I was on a page because you asked for a thesaurus so we can oh, look yes. up a similar word for gentleman. Yeah, that was what we were doing. That's where this ad came so, from. So this ad pops up, and it's it's for Sephora. It's great. Which again, I will never read the article. But talking about RG 3s complaints. About NFL Network cutting media staff while also cashing a $110 million check to air one game on Peacock. And he's like, you know, there's something wrong about that to me, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure he's got it. I'm sure he, Chris, I'm sure he makes a lot of salient points about how important the job that he does is, right? Yeah. And then you mentioned something similar. In the fact that there's a lot of people who are upset about the fact or think that it's in poor taste, <clears throat> that ESPN recently just announced the hiring of Pat McAfee 
during a round of layoffs. During a round of layoffs. But I, I, I mean, I haven't heard what the contract is for Pat and how much he's making. I mean, I'm sure that's going to come out in due time, but until that happens, it's going to make it look worse when we know the numbers for McAfee. Sure, but I guess the question is, who cares? Like, I'm sorry. For First of all, and I think I've said this before on this podcast, I think years ago when we were talking about the Chris Brown, remember when Chris Brown of the Buffalo Bills got suspended? Yes. For talking out of school about who was playing on the offensive line and what the groupings were. And I think they picked Chris Brown, who's kind of their own team. Like, he's a team employee, right? Yeah. They picked him to make an example out of because they know he can't quit. Where else is he going? Nowhere. Yeah. So the Dolphins. <laughs> look out, Wingfield. He's coming. <laughs> Although I think, see, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like he has a more prominent chin than Travis does. Yeah. Yeah. More defined. I don't think I like that. I don't think that's what they're looking for in a host down there. I just don't. It's the only reason to explain why Travis still has that gig. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's just interesting to me. So like that, and, and I remember the local media coming out, you know, vociferously about this idea that, well, you can't do that and you're limiting our access and that hurts the way we do our jobs. And, you know, you can't, they can, because you're not exactly like, you're not writing Pulitzer Prize winning material here. You're not an investigative reporter who's changing and reshaping the world. You're a sports journalist. And while that has value, it has value to a very small percentage of the human population. And it, it probably accomplishes even less. I mean, Chris, think about, <clears throat> first of all, in the case of the ESPN employees who are disgruntled about the fact that McAfee gets hired there admit, while their co former co-workers are being released. Yeah. Like if it's production staff, on-air talent, if you guys were that good, ESPN wouldn't have to go out and pay a bunch of money that they don't want to spend and don't have to spend to bring eyeballs to the platform, would they? No. Well, a lot of the McAfee situation was he, when he came onto the scene after his retirement, you know, Fox gave him that one look on as a game analyst week 17 or 18. Mm hmm. Packers and Lions, and he had that great call, the fake field goal. And he just does stuff differently that those suits at ESPN saw that and were like, that's not how you do it. But McAfee went, fuck you, that is how you do it. And then he went and did it on his own. Now ESPN's coming back saying, oh, we made a grave mistake. We'll give you the not, bag. Yeah, and not giving <clears throat> you money. It's almost like a blockbuster Netflix scenario. Right. Like, yeah, he pitched himself to all these companies and was like, hey, just bring me in. You could have been paying him. Chris, there's there exists a universe where ESPN gave Pat McAfee a contract immediately after retirement. And right now he's only worth like a mil, two million a year. Right. Yeah. That that re, like that, that's in a universe out there. You know, if you like if you watch Rick and Morty, you believe in multiple universes and parallel. It exists out there. The one we live in here today is the one where they fucked up and they allowed him to become too big. And now they have to pay him a I'm Chris. What do you want to if you had if we had to bet how much money he got paid? Well, he was on a four year, one hundred and twenty million dollar deal with FanDuel currently. 
now that that's out the door, so you would have to think it is around that or better than four years, $120 million. So, And then factor in all of his staff that has to come come with. So that's my point. Like, you, you fucked up ESPN. But also, that's all they do. And for the people complaining, the on-air talent complaining, the... There's a lot of stuff that you guys don't do, which is why all the ratings are down. What are they, Chris, what were they saying? Like, NFL Network has never had ratings be lower than they are right now? Probably. Like, there's only a handful of people who even move the needle anymore on NFL Network. It's like Rich Eisen. Um, who else? Who else matters on that platform? I can't. Th- well, uh, Daniel Jeremiah. When it comes okay. to when it comes to the, to drafts, so you have a draft guy who, to, uh, except for the gross uh, small portion of the population who have like a sickness, like if you're a football fan who genuinely cares about the draft year round, that's a very small percentage of the population. And you take days off of work to watch the combine. Yeah, whoever does that's a real jerk off. <laughs> I'd hate to be those people. <laughs> he, he's he's listening to this, going fuck you guys. But so I guess my what I'm trying to say here is I hear these complaints and I think about it and I go, you guys are doing anything special. And in fact, the thing that you do, you often do poorly. Take an example, the kind of the theme of tonight's show. Any one of these assholes with a suit, because, Chris, they don't have to go to work. They don't have to deal with. I mean, maybe they do have to deal with children, but. They don't have to go to a job and crunch numbers by day and then pontificate behind a microphone at night with a couple of glasses of whiskey in their head about the sport of football and football-related topics that affect their football team, correct? Yeah. They, and they have staffs who do a lot of their pre-production and fact-finding and all that stuff for them. Did you see who had to get a 9-to-5? Who? Oh, wow, you didn't see this? No. So, because they had a very short career in the NFL while it could have been way longer it just took throwing a woman onto a bed of guns oh, to derail their football career Greg Hardy yeah he got a 9 to 5 like working at like Spectrum or something like slinging internet in like a Walmart parking lot and he hates it too there's several articles uh, available online go find it and read up on it that it's <laughs> it. It is funny. He put something out on his Instagram saying how much he hates it. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't have thrown a woman onto a bed of guns, you dumbass. Oh, I'm sure his problems run much deeper than that. Yeah, but the, but the, the, there's the reality though. You have a skill set, but that skill set only matters in a very narrow window of the entire world. And once you don't fit that window whatever you're just another one of us stiffs and in fact you might even be behind us our friend bill barnwell remember when he got mad because i i pointed out the fact to him that like here's my tables and charts and things that numbers that i crunched on my own i don't have a bunch of 20 year old interns doing this for me bill he took that a little personally yeah before he blocked us but uh it's the truth, and it's why a lot of these guys are who are mad to see what they their profession narrowing and their numbers dwindling as networks figure out that a lot of this is fluff and no one gives a shit anymore because they're getting better content elsewhere. They're getting more thoughtful content elsewhere. They're, they're getting more researched, which doesn't make any fucking sense because this is a sports broadcasting company. You exist to talk about sports in an interesting way. 
and you can't do it. Chris, this is what got me. I was listening to somebody, you know, play a clip from ESPN. People t- talking heads on a panel, one of those, you know, the argument shows. Yeah, your um, whatever they're called, first take, whatever it was. It was the one with the greenie. Get up. Okay, great, wonderful. Um, and he was arguing with a bunch of people about strength of schedule. Strength of schedule. We're still having this conversation. But this year, the strength of schedule conversation is a lot more interesting than I think it has been in years past. We're going to get into that. But when you literally are still here in the year 2023 of our Lord, (laughs) talking about strength of schedule using just a win percentage from the previous year, I already know whatever whatever you're about to tell me I don't give a shit about. Because it's the most unnuanced way to look at that topic. It really is. So that got me thinking, though. Because traditional strength strength of schedule, we've said it in the past, highly flawed. There's a lot of reasons for that. Win rate isn't always static, right? But it, it it's consistent when there's not considerable turnover for a team at quarterback, offensive coordinator, or head coach. Now, I looked over a couple years worth of data, and what I found is that changing defensive coordinators doesn't have nearly the effect that Swapping out a quarterback, an offensive coordinator, or a head coach does. Now, that just seems weird. Like, obviously, obviously losing a quarterback matters, correct? Yep. Or getting a quarterback. You know, if you're the L.A. Rams and you go from Goff to Stafford and win a Super Bowl, like, that was the missing piece. Or you get rid of Aaron Rodgers and go to Jordan Love. We're going to find out what that looks like. And they still got a whole bunch of primetime games, which I find, like, I feel like that's a nightmare scenario for the NFL. But somehow losing a defensive coordinator, it's like the next guy just steps in, and regardless of what the defense does, that team can still be successful and still win a bunch of games. It's strange when you think about the hierarchy then of what matters and where teams choose to spend their money. But you look at a team like Buffalo, right? From year to year, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to say, like, the, the, there's some volatility from one year to the next if you're just looking at win percentage. Buffalo's been a 10-plus win season ever since 20, uh, what is it, 2019. Since 2019, you have been a 10 or more win football team. You love to see it. But look what you've had, but look what you kept in place. Coordinators, head coach, quarterback. Yep. You got the trifecta. Things seem to work out. Did you take into account for like when you lose an OC but promote within versus well, and, going outside? Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? Like, I didn't drill down into it with that much detail, but think about it. We just saw with Ken Dorsey, our offense took a. You, Chris, would you say? I mean, we were still a top five NFL offense. I think even top three. But you swapped out coordinators and had an offense that we all as fans, screamed about being too predictable, not using enough eye candy, not taking advantage of the running backs in the passing game. Like, all of these things that were like, oh, well, that's a first-year guy and it could have been better. You were still a top-three offense in the NFL. <laughs> like, like you were still better than at least 27 other football teams with a rookie coordinator who had an offense that pissed you off. Like, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I think it's that trifecta. It's the you know coordinators, head coach, quarterback. As long as you can keep some semblance of that together, you're going to win. And it it also fails to account for roster changes that occur, right? Like the Jets, 
are going to like if you're just using tr- the traditional model of strength of schedule, everybody like w- w- the Jets are going to be f- factored using the win percentage they compiled with Mike White and Zach Wilson at quarterback. So it makes sense. So the win percentage, if you beat the Jets last year, they count that as a win in your favor and it boosts your profile. That's not the same team anymore. Meanwhile, the Titans, they're going to be factored into your, you know, win your strength of the strength of schedule metrics under the auspices of a team that didn't like that had a fire sale this offseason. Trades, releases, maybe even the departure of Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. Like they're not going to be the same football team they were last year. And they weren't good last year. And they were average. So they're going to be worse than that this season. And yet they're still going to account for the same weight in that traditional calculation of strength of schedule. It also doesn't take into account the schedule itself. And I don't know. Teams that have long stretches where they don't play at home. There's just a lot that goes into this number. Right? Like, there are also some things that I don't think you can account for, but you can try, like new head coaches. So I found this article over at the 33team.com. I'm looking at it right now. And it was written about this idea. It was evaluating success rate for first-year head coaches. So you look at it, and they go, head coaches, obviously, you know, you see some get hired every year. A lot of them will have... You know, the, the Mike McCarthy's of the world where they've held a job or two. You'll also have new guys, fresh faces. This thing is talking about how the rookies, like since 2008, right? 17 of the 24 new coaches that made their playoffs in their first year with the new team were rookies. Like at 70%. Of the coaches, the Kevin Stefanskis of the world, right? Yep. Uh, who's the Vikings coach? Oh, O'Connell, O'Donnell, O'Connell, O'Donnell, O'Donnell. Would, would call in if you know, but uh, he, like, these are the guys, right? So you see that, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, so who got a new head coach this year, Chris? That might make a difference. Yeah, you take a look around and say, who are the, like, I'll go, Chris, Google it for me. Who were the new head coaches hired in 2023? Because you look at that and you say to yourself, there will be some, right? There's going to be some, the D'Amico Ryans of the world, who it's not. Frank Reich, Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans. Um, but then, like, you also have coordinators. Bill O'Brien's back with the Patriots. <laughs> Todd Monken is with the Ravens. Okay. J.B. Cooter is with the Colts. Your guy, Nate Hackett, with, Nate Hackett. with the, the Jets. So, just, just, so there was five new coaching hires. And the first time head coach is what, Shane Steichen? Yep. Okay. You, you would think that that would be a, a good one because based on what he did with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia and you have a similar player in AR-15 that they just drafted. Well, I think the big thing is you have to look at... Lamar Jackson made the playoffs as a rookie in 2018. So there's that. Like, there's... there's. 
it's not unquestionable that Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew could win you enough games in a really soft AFC South to be in the wild card conversation. Because by and large, their roster isn't terrible. And that's what we're talking about here, like with the coaching dynamic. You're going to look at that and say, well, the Colts. The Colts should account for a certain percentage of win variance here in 2023 when you're looking at the strength of schedule metric. Reality is you look at their roster. They've got DeForest Buckner. They've got some great linebackers. Their cornerbacks are underrated, I think. So their defense has enough to get by. Their offense, Alec Pierce is really good. Michael Pittman Jr. has been a pretty good receiver with some pretty questionable quarterback play for two seasons. they got Isaiah McKenzie, which, say what you want about that, but they also have one of the most electric running backs in football, who had an awful year last year because the offense as a whole was just terrible. He got injured, like... That, if there was a team that reminds me of the turnaround that the Browns made when Kevin Stefanski showed up, the Colts might be that team. But they're not going to count that way in the strength of schedule metric. Like, none of that gets taken into account. And then, like, I don't know. There's some, like... There's some some specific dynamics that I look at every year when I just look at our schedule and I go, how do I like it? Like when I look at the Bills schedule every single year, it comes out and I say to myself, there's a couple dynamics I look for. First year starters, a quarterback, new head coach, first time head coaches, right? First, first time head coaches, first time head coaches, not just like, but that's why I'm explaining why this dynamic is important, because some of those first time coaches they come with some outside-the-box ideas. Look at the New York Giants last year, Chris. Yeah. Brian Dable. Everyone goes, oh, he's inheriting a shit show. Well, maybe you just needed some outside-the-box ideas with that group of players. Like, that's like, Let's just talk about those two right there. So first-year starters at quarterback. I went, to, I went through McDermott's history. Do you know he's 11-3 all-time? In pretty his good. career against first-year starters at quarterback. Not not even rookies, just if this was your first year as a, like, hey, I'm getting my first starts of my career, 11-3. and three. And that would make sense, right? He's a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. He had Leslie Frazier, who is... Well, former head coach. Former head coach, and considered a very reliable defensive coordinator, even though... His playoff defenses didn't show up. He was two and one against first year quarter uh, first year quarterbacks heading uh, like until he got Allen. So he he was already good at this. Then you take a sound defensive coaching staff and pair him with an offense that like even in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen gave you some teeth. You, know, you had something working for you. You would expect that you could keep pace with a with a first timer. I just I think that makes sense. And so, like, in 2020, then once Josh Allen really found his footing and took off, I mean, we've destroyed I, we've destroyed first-year quarterbacks. I mean, we play in a division where every team besides the Bills drafted at least one quarterback between 2020 and 2021. What? Uh, Wilson, White, Tua, Mack. The Bills were 5-1. and one against those quarterbacks in their first season. The only loss they have to a first-year quarterback out of that group was the game where Mac Jones threw three passes. <laughs> like, nice. Like, 
that's why that dynamic matters. I don't give a shit what the team did last year. Who is throwing the football for you? And that first time head coaching thing that we were just talking about, like retreads actually have a lower success threshold (laughs) than new faces. Now, that's not to say there aren't a lot of flops, but if you look at it year over year over year, there are success stories when you pair up some guys who, again, and it's, it's usually the, and you know what the thing is, Chris, you know how I talked about defensive coordinators being swapped out and not mattering. Yeah. The guys who have that first year success, the first year playoff run, Dable, O'Connell, Stefanski, what do they all have in common? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. You're such an asshole. They're all offensive minds. Okay. Okay. They're all offensively minded coaches going to teams that have tools for them to work with. Like, that's why I'm not sleeping on the Colts this year. So with that in mind, I want to just kind of look at how the Bills' strength of schedule, when you take those nuances into account, and also the makeup of the schedule itself stack up against its peers. Chris, this might be the first time in a long time where the dynamic of rest has to come, like it has to come to the forefront of this conversation. Now, pull up that, this all started with a tweet from Warren Sharp. He tweets out the other night, it's not just who you play, because the NFL doesn't control that. It's when you play them, which the league has 100% control over. They set their schedule. Unfortunately, I found the 2023 schedule is less fair and equitable at a historic level in many areas. And so he has this gorgeous thread, which I've just now retweeted. It'll be over at Rockpile Report on Twitter. You can go check that out. Read through it. There is some great stuff in there. Right? Like, 95 games. (laughs) 95 games are going to get played this season where a team has more rest than their opponent. That's on the whole 5% more from where they were in like the late 2000s. Up from 30%. And apparently there's no balance, right? Like, one, teams are going to get hammered. So we're looking at this chart that he put together, Chris. And it's basically showing the disparity and the number of times that football teams play games. He basically just netted it out and said by day and by week, how much less, more or less rest do you have than your opponents? And worked it out to an average, right? So Buffalo sits at zero. Our number is zero because we play just as many teams with a rest advantage as we play teams where we have a rest disadvantage. Makes sense. Green Bay, the only other team with that. Look at the bottom. <laughs> you love to see it. Kansas City is a negative 13. <laughs> Meaning that they not only play a team off their bye week, they also have one, two, three, four, five different games where they have at least a one game rest disparity from their opponent. They have one, two, three, three games this season where it's three or more days of rest that their opponent's going to have that they don't. Now, how does that happen, Chris? Is that the, like, that's the byproduct of you, I'm assuming, playing on a Sunday night, your opponent played on a Thursday night. Now yeah. there's a rest disparity of three days. You're going to have that when you, when you're a good team like the Chiefs and the worst one on there is the Niners. Mm-hmm. You're getting night games. You're getting Thursday night, Monday night. 
you're, you know, those teams are getting the, the max five primetime games for sure. So it makes sense that if you're a successful team, you're going to run into this problem more than you will if you're not a successful team. And if you look at the, the teams that are at the bottom of this chart, right? Because people, I heard people bitching about Buffalo's run in this and how, oh, we're playing teams and we don't get as much rest. I, I, I saw some, Chris, sport, we talked about journalists being mad that they're getting fired and laid off. Yeah. Sports Illustrated used to be a magazine that I gave a shit about. I look forward to the O'Reilly articles. I, like, it was a great publication. Now it feels a lot like SB Nation, right? It's like writers you don't know who are basically just bloggers writing for a, f- not all of them. And some of them are great people. I mean, Mike Debate, we love him. Yep. It doesn't mean you're bad at your job, but I don't know what qualifies as like sports illustrated worthy content anymore. But there was an article that basically was just Warren Sharp's tweets. <laughs> they called it an article and wrote like 500 words bracketing his tweet storm about this topic. But the whole thing was about how, oh, the NFL screwed Buffalo and gave the Jets the edge. Chris, the Jets have the most rest disadvantage, like they have the best rest disadvantage in the entire NFL at plus 12. Yeah, seems like they want them in the playoffs. Okay, but take a look at the teams that are up there in the pluses. How many playoff teams do you see? (laughs) Baltimore, Miami. There's That's nobody. about it. Because they're not playing primetime games. So before anyone runs off screaming about how this is some conspiracy, and it's like, no, what this is, is a schedule that says, hey, we are, we know the NFL's greedy. We know that. Yeah. So they're trying to squeeze every primetime game in there that they can. Well, who are you putting on TV? You're not putting the New York Jets against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. No. No, you're there. It's going to be Kansas City. It's going to be L.A. It's going to be San Francisco, Philly, the Chargers, Vegas, Seattle. Like those are the teams at the bottom of this scale because they're good and they're going to constantly be on primetime. And unfortunately, that puts you at a disadvantage. It just does. You know, you're going to play on a Sunday afternoon and then play the following Thursday. Them's the breaks. Sorry, I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. He did point out, though, Warren Sharp did, that the disparity, it's never been this broken. In 2022, one team played five or more games where they had a rest advantage, and one team played uh, either zero games where they had a rest edge or one game. Like, they usually had multiple. Now that number's jumped up to five in each category. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash wire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like you, the haves and have-nots got skewed by this chase for primetime TV. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that skews parity in the NFL because your most popular teams and the teams that you're gunning for to win the Super Bowl or that you assume at the beginning of it, like if you were to go to any Vegas sports book and look at the odds, those teams are also getting the shit end of the stick here in terms of rest over the course of a season. Now we know that that tends to prognosticate more injuries. You'll have sloppier performances because you have less rest time, less practice time, less installation time for your game plan. Your coaches don't have as much time to prepare their game plans. It's There's a lot that goes into that. And it is interesting that the Jets do get an advantage in that sort. Like, I understand why people might want to point at that and say it's a conspiracy, right, Chris? It's New York City. Yeah. It's a huge market. If the Jets are good, it's good for football, correct? Yeah. In terms of money, not Jet, in terms of our enjoyment of the game. Jets and Giants need to be good. And the Jets, well, they, what's their playoff drought at? It is the, it's currently the longest active playoff drought in the league. In fact, I think it's in North American sports. Probably. It's like 12 seasons. Yep. Last appeared in 2010. So NFL would like the Jets to be in the playoffs. Yes. I think that after watching the Bills and what happened there, they kind of recognize having a playoff drought's not good for business. Yeah. You should, you should be trying to, but at the same time, this isn't something that they maliciously went out and did. It's just that the, the Jets play who they play. They made the schedule to try to ham fist as many good teams on primetime football as they can. This is, the Jets are not a good football team. This is what happens, right? So then you take a look at our Bills and how they stack up in each of these categories. So, Chris, pull up the Bills schedule again for me. Got it. You take a look. The Bills, when it when you compare them to the rest of, like, let's just say our division and the teams that we believe are going to be at the top of the NFL. First-year starters at quarterback, if by the time we play uh, Washington week three, Sam Howell still is, in fact, the starter. Like, it seems to be trending that way, doesn't it? You would hope so. I mean, let's see. Our lads, who else do they have there? They don't have Wentz. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. Who does have Wentz? Is he in the NFL? He's still... Is he in the NFL? Like, does he have a a team? he's still considered a free agent. (laughs) I mean, did he at least get paid? Yeah, he made his money. Sam Howell, okay. Jacoby Brissett. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm and Tim Demorat are listed as their four quarterbacks. Has Jake Fromm thrown a touchdown pass yet? Yeah, yes. Nate's had his Seagrams for that. Okay. I want to make sure. I want to make sure we keep him honest on that. So we only have one game when you look over our schedule against a new, relatively green quarterback. When you look at our corollaries, the Chargers have zero. The Chiefs have zero. Cincinnati gets two. Baltimore gets two. You take a look at our division opponents. You know they're gonna they're gonna get to play. So if you're if you're talking about Miami, right? You look down the list. They're gonna get 
the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young and Washington. So they get two. I mean, it looks like the contenders in the AFC when it comes to like that, like, hey, let's let's beat up on a on a shitty quarterback or a new quarterback. Everyone's pretty much right in the same boat, right? Yeah. First time head coaches, guys who might make a dynamic difference. We don't have to play the uh, AFC South this year. We did. We got that out of the way last year, so I don't have to worry about Shane Steichen getting the Colts and shocking everybody when he puts together a run-heavy Anthony Richardson. You know, comes in mid-season and just <laughs> that offense is running for. Can you imagine if Anthony Richardson even has a little bit of accuracy? With arguably better weapons right now than at wide receiver, than how long did it take uh, Lamar Jackson to get decent wide receivers? Not good. He's never had good ones until now. Decent wide receivers. Probably his third year in the NFL league. Yeah. Okay. If Anthony Richardson has even a little bit of accuracy, he's already got better weapons. <laughs> I. I just look at that offense and I say to myself, they could put together a run-heavy offense that could steal a lot of football games from people. I'm happy we get to dodge that bullet. Like I don't know if you guys can hear this, but I'm very high on them this year. I'm, I think I'm. this is the year I get back into sports betting, Chris, which we're actually going to talk about here in a week or two on the pod. Oh, cool. But uh, futures, I'm big on the Colts. But so you look at that, the Bills get to dodge that bullet. So then you look around and you say, okay, who doesn't? Who who are going to be the divisions that have to play that conference, who have to play some of those teams? I mean, and then you look at, again, the contenders, the Ravens, the Bengals. I'm looking over these schedules and I'm saying to myself, I don't know. Like, I think things are pretty level. Nobody gets a, I mean, you get the Bengals who get to play, like they get a stretch here that's, they play the the Titans. Then they play the Cardinals. And then they have to go, you know, people are talking about how the Bengals, you know, the Bills' schedule has a rough ending. I think we talked about that last week. How at the end, it's kind of a murderer's row. Like, you better have your wins in by the time you get to week, like, 13, because it's rough after that. Week 12, 13's the bye. Yeah, so, okay, so, but yeah, so by the time you get to week 13, you better have gotten your wins in because it's Philly, it's Kansas City, Dallas, LA, New England. Like, that's a gauntlet right there. It's going to be hard to win football games those weeks. Well, then you look at Cincy. They have them, too. Like, that's the other thing of this strength of schedule thing. You can say, well, the percentage says they have an easy schedule. Late in the year, you don't want to be playing teams that are playing their best football. Who are the teams, Chris, that have had their best football late in the seasons? Kansas Kansas City. Uh, not the Chargers. Not the Chargers. They they somehow find a way to shit the bed pretty fantastically every like late in every season. Cincinnati. You look at Buffalo. From the start of December on, four and two in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty two, you look at the end of the season. One, two, three, four, five, six the cancel game against the Cincinnati, seven consecutive victories to end the season. Like, let's go back to 2020. Let's look at the numbers. Come on. Give me something here, pro football reference. Come on. Gotta be. Wasn't 2020 when we had all those one score wins? 2020 is when we were blowing people out. 
that was when our offense just showed up and just stomped on everybody. Um, we f- so we had our bye week in week eleven, Chris. Yeah, we went undefeated for the rest of the season. We were winning games one, two, three, four, five consecutive games with a margin of victory of ten points or more. Like that's the best football teams are playing their foot their best football late in the year where they're running like a well-oiled machine they've kind of figured out what they got their young players maybe are starting to really contribute it's the makeup of your schedule too and so when you look at that and you look at tough stretches like Cincinnati gets one early like they're going to have an, uh, more shuffling on their offensive line who knows what their backfield's going to be like? You know, they lost Samaj P. Ryan, who was kind of quietly one of their best running backs. They're going to go into an early season slate where it's rough. They play Cleveland, who should be better, right? You would think. You would think. Then they play the Ravens, the Rams, Tennessee away, <laughs> Cardinals away, which is kind of a laugher. So those two are fine. Then it's Seahawks at San Francisco, home against Buffalo. Like that that's a three game stretch there where you don't know if you're winning all three of those football games. Yeah. And then obviously divisional matchups at Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, like those are always tough. They have to play the Colts. They play the Chiefs to end the season. Like New Year's Eve matchup. Not like that. Like I feel like they have a tough stretch there, right in the middle of the year when you're probably trying to find your footing. And that could lead to them being the team that's just staring up, kind of like they were last year, staring up at Buffalo and KC going, man, I really need one of you guys to drop the ball here. It's just, there's so much nuance that goes into determining a strength of schedule. But when you look at it, Chris, just, I'm going to Google it. Strength of schedule... For this year? Yep. You want to give that a goog? Yeah. You're faster than me. Also, my hands are full of whiskey, so I, you know. You know. It's from uh, Sharp Football Analysis, so I'm assuming that means... Warren Sharp. Warren Sharp. Yep. So go up. Based on projected win totals, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Just projected win totals. The Saints have the easiest schedule. Okay, where are the bills on this? Okay, go down. Whoa, 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 go down. You want all this? Yeah. So who is at the bottom of this list? Patriots. Okay, hang on. Scroll up again. Go all the way to the top of this chart because I want to see, is that projected win total? Guys, this is sharp. Anal- okay, projected win total. Perfect. Scroll down to the bottom again. Show me the, show me the bottom rung. So New England's being projected to win seven, seven and a half games. Yep. Do you think that that's fair? Yes, that I do. You're talking about a, a team that should have been awful last year and was still in the playoff picture in the final week. Yeah, but then you add Bill O'Brien. Mac- you, you think he's going to be more of a detriment than a help? No, he's going to be a help. Yeah, so I think they're going to win. I think they're going to be better than that 7.5. I'd take the over on that. The Raiders, the Dolphins, the Bills... The Chiefs and Jets. So we're all kind of clustered down there. Chiefs, Jets, Chargers, Jets, Vikings. Except out of that group, the Bills and the Chiefs are the only ones at the bottom of this list still projected, even with that schedule, to get double-digit wins. 
Like, oh, you have the hardest schedule, but you're also like it doesn't. I that's why I hate this, Chris. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why this sort of like that's why this strength of schedule, as you know, it sucks. I think that when you look at the makeup of it, as we've talked about it tonight, and I, I sit here, I think there are some teams that will surprise people. Sean Payton going to Denver, that's going to be a problem. I think that that's going to be a problem for the rest of the NFL. I think that if nothing else, he knows how to use the running backs. He's going to get the running backs involved in the passing game. If he, if he goes, hey, my quarterback is truly cooked. He can't throw it down the field anymore. And this offensive line, we don't... I think they fixed it once they got rid of Russ's personal office. <laughs> but I think they're going to fix that. Now, is that enough for them to be a great football team? Probably no. not. But Because of the division. They can make some noise. Like if we're talk- so, so if we're talking about the Buffalo Bills in the division, let's just start there. Buffalo Bills in the division. We have two teams that are just by the traditional metric... Have a have a difficult strength of schedule. The Patriots and the Dolphins—they're both ahead of us. We'd like to believe we have a better quarterback than them. They each get to play more first-time quarterbacks, but you know, you, you can't control that. And I don't know. I'm looking at Miami's schedule right now. Dolphins. Would you rather have yeah, go to the Dolphins? Would you rather have their schedule? Or ours, when we look at some of these stretches here. Well, I don't like their start at the Chargers. <laughs> Where they lost last year. Late afternoon Chargers. And then Sunday night, the following week, at New England. So that I don't like. I don't like the, the start of their schedule. Well, then they come home, but they're playing Denver. And then they go on the road against Buffalo. Again, if we want to talk about universes that exist, there exists a universe where that team is like two and two. God forbid one and three if something really catastrophic happens. It's a bad start. Yeah. Let's show me the Patriots. Got it. Let's take a look here. Tough start with the Philly, Miami, the Jets, the Cowboys. New Orleans is, I don't know, that's a dice roll. Buffalo, Miami, Washington. So they they have hard games. Go down a little bit. All right. That finish, that finish might that finish might suck, right? We talk about the the Bills end of the season run being a gauntlet. But at least we have a like every year Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. You're talking about a Patriots team that's looking down the barrel of finishing the season. They got to go to Kansas City. Then they have to host Denver. What is that? NFL Network. So that's a Christmas Eve game. They host Kansas City and then they're at Denver. Okay. So they go to Denver. They host Kansas City. Both of them primetime games, which I can't believe they're going to put New England and Kansas City on Monday Night Football. Hey, it could be like that uh, time you called into GR, <laughs> where Kansas City steamrolled the Patriots. <laughs> and I pronounced them dead? Yeah. We're going to bring back the audio that week for the AFC's roundup. And then they have to go to Buffalo. And then they have to play New York, who, if the Jets are as good as everyone says they're going to be, that's a shitty way for a team to end. If they haven't found a way to click on offense already, they could just be catching shovel after shovel after shovel to the face. Yeah. For like a month. 
So when we think about our divisional opponents, check out the Jets schedule for me. Right there. Okay. So Buffalo, obviously the big Monday Night Football game, they start tough, right? Yeah, the first nine weeks are all tough. So all this talk about, oh, the Jets' schedule, the Jets have an easier strength of schedule and blah, 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 and oh, they get this rest disparity. Rest disparity doesn't help you when it's Buffalo out of the gate. More time to do ayahuasca. (laughs) He's going to need a darkness retreat after this. Uh, Dallas on the road, home against New England, then home against Kansas City, then away to Denver, then home against Philadelphia, and then they get a bye week. Like that's that's a rough six game stretch. That if their offense is not as good as advertised, Chris, they could be a two win football team. I like it. But you could get that one against New England and that one against Denver and really look bad. Like you could really look bad. And what do you think the New York media market's going to look like after that? Oh, it'll be, it'll be disgusting. So, just out of our immediate division, who do you, whose schedule do you like more? Buffaloes or theirs? I like our schedule. I like our schedule. We get the the bye week in between the Super Bowl teams, Philadelphia and Kansas City. It's we do have a tough finish, but we have a tough finish, but we have plenty of time early on. The Raiders. The Commanders, uh, the Dolphins, but then you know Jaguars, Giants, the Buccaneers. Like, there's enough games in there where you can kind of find some of your wins. You steal a couple down the stretch that everyone's like, "Well, it's going to be tough." Yeah, but you could steal one. You do that, and all of a sudden, you look pretty good. Bring up Kansas City for me, because this is what I like. Like now, you, we talked about Cincy, we talked about the Ravens, we talked about everybody else. Let's talk about Cincy. Like, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Let's oh, talk about it. That's I thought you said Kansas City. Yep. So, Kansas City, look at that start. Look at that start. They get Detroit at home. What's the love affair with Detroit, Chris? Their offensive coordinator. Is that it? Yeah. Is that just the reason that people love this? Yeah. What are the odds that Detroit goes in there and spoils a banner raising the way the Bills did to L.A.? It's possible. You think so? I think so. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not gonna put any uh, shekels on it up until you, Thursday, September 7th. Do you want to bet me? Not now. Seagram's bet right now. No, not now. Kansas City wins that game by 14. No, I got to know who Detroit's 53 <laughs> is. I got to know if anybody significant got injured. But that's why futures are fun, Chris, because you don't know. You just throw your money on the table and you don't bet anything of consequence. Beta bets, as coined by Iman Azizi. What? Well, speaking of Detroit, do you know who is the leading favorite to win the NFC North? Oh, it's Detroit. Yes. That's why they're in this position. I know that. This is them trying to showcase, like, all right, Detroit, we believe in you. Go do the fucking thing for the for the first time in 30 years. Go out there and look like a competent football team on a big stage. Yeah, we'll give you opening night, and then based on how you do that, maybe we'll give you prime time games next season. Or later in the season when flexing starts. Also possible. So, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, though. 
Detroit, Jacksonville, Chicago. The Jets, Minnesota, like they're kind of home. Like they don't have any long road trip. Like it's not like three road games or anything crazy. Denver, which will be on what, like a Thursday night? Yeah, they played Denver twice in three weeks. Minnesota's got a pared down roster. I don't think they're going to be nearly as competitive this year. You're looking at Denver. You're looking at what? The Chargers, who the Chargers had the Chiefs beat twice last year. Like that's that's the other thing. You go, oh well, the the, the Chargers are a good team, but Chris, how many times did the Bills have a decent team and still couldn't beat the Patriots? Like that's yeah. <laughs> it's there is something to be said for the fact that like so these Chargers games. I don't. I just assume that char- the Chargers are going to choke that away again. The way their schedule lays out is pretty soft. Like for them having this quote unquote difficult strength of schedule, Chris, do you see any rough patches in there for them? I don't. Not. I mean, not per, not sustained. Three division games in a row is tough because you always play your division hard, no matter how good or bad the other teams are. I feel like division games can almost always be a one-score game. I mean, I think the hardest stretch they probably have is Vegas, which isn't even... I Maybe I'm... maybe Again, this is another thing for our Futures podcast that we're going to do in a week or two. Maybe I'm selling Vegas short, but Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback and Josh Jacobs, like that's your offense. You have Devontae Parker, but what's he worth with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? Yeah. We're talking about a guy who won a playoff Devontae team. Adams. Devontae Adams. You're talking about a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo who won an NFC championship game while throwing, I think it was like eight or nine passes. Yeah. Like this. Makes sense. That's his job. If you're winning things, that's us- that should be his job. It's like our softball team, Chris. They do their best when I don't have to do anything. I can just hold the I can just hold the book, drink a beer. Slap a few asses, give a few rah-rah speeches that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> like, we are our best as a team if you don't need me to do anything complicated. <laughs> yeah, you're not a team player. <laughs> and so with that in mind, I just don't see this schedule for... Like, I love the Bills' schedule, and I think amongst the comp- like the competition, it's us and the Chiefs for probably the ones I like the most, correct? Yeah. I don't know. I just I think that we just did more work in 50 minutes than at least half of the people who get on TV and talk over at ESPN every single week. Breaking down the complications of strength of schedule and why you can't always tr- why you should look a little bit deeper than just, hey, here's a here's a percentage. That's like saying, hey, Chris, hockey, you're a hockey guy. Love it. That's like saying, hey, Vanek, you know, what was his fucking name? Thomas Vanek yep. for the Buffalo Sabres he used to score. What What was he like a 30 goal a year? Yeah, score? you can always count on him for 25 to 35 goals. OK, and everyone goes, well, then he must be a good player. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Pair that down to five on five scoring and show me what his numbers were. <laughs> and you go, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, he's he's actually not good. He just cherry picks on the power play. That's not great. Yeah. No wonder our teams are bad. We built them around that type of guy. It's the same conversation. It just depends on how seriously you take your job and whether you want to look deeper into it. I know I do. And I don't get, well, I do, we do get paid, but 
I don't get paid as much as they do. Yeah, well, we don't take a paycheck from this. Also, they don't get fired. Like, well, no. we don't get fired. Not yet, anyway. Hey, Blue no. Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fire me yet, baby. Yeah, we have contracts. We have contracts, baby. Although I did like the fact that Tyler laughed when I brought up the fact that I keep... Like, I think he thinks I was joking when I said, I go, hey, don't worry, I always keep a couple hundred dollars in the kitty if I need to get out of this contract. I'll buy my way out. I'll Ted DiBiase this thing. <laughs> and he laughed. I was like, I think you, th- I think you think I'm kidding. No, I should just get on a Zoom call with him and show him my cash stash. <laughs> You're like, guys, we will fly the coop. But, but no, seriously, Blue Wire's been great to us. They've never impeded on our work. Yeah. They allow us to just do this nonsense. Each and every week. Yeah, we'll buy out our contract and then someone else's, too, with that <laughs> cash stash that I have. A podcast that didn't want to leave the network? We're like, yeah. yeah, we're buying them out, too. Why? Because we feel like it. <laughs> it's, it's it's hilarious. Guys, I just I want you guys to think more intelligently about this. So when you're tweeting and you're like, well, they got a hard schedule this year, look a little bit deeper into it, right? Like, the Bills don't have an easy schedule. But of the teams that have a hard schedule, not only do I love the talent on the Buffalo Bills more than most teams, you know, it's us, the Chiefs, this love affair with the Jets. I, Chris, it has to work for them this year, right? You would think. There's no excuses now. You you have the longest drought in football, which you'd think I'd be more sensitive to it, but it's like me being fat. Like people look at me and go, oh, I, I, I would think that you would have more sensitivity towards people with weight issues or people who are self-conscious about their weight because you used to be 348 pounds and have a size 52 waist. And I say, eh, you're wrong, only because I changed it. I, I did something about it. And so in my mind, it's not that I think that it's not that I think anybody who is overweight is doing something wrong. That's not I'm not fat shaming here because I'm still fat as hell. I'm like. 202 now <laughs> i'm up to 202 but from 348 it's it's one of those things where y- you did something about it so because i did something about it i look at it differently than someone who's like well this thing just happened to me and for some people they don't have a choice it's medical it happens but so it's one of those things where i go well there's not a lot of excuses though maybe you have one but if you don't if you don't have a medical reason if you don't have something then i don't feel bad and i feel like you have fewer excuses not to just do the work to uh, unless you're content and if you're content then do that that's fine that's fine too be comfortable in your own skin lord knows i am with the new york jets this conjecture has bothered me on that level this well they get this and they get that and they're getting all the rest and they got this quarterback and they're going to be super bowl contenders chris they have the longest drought for a fucking reason yeah, they're bad. They missed the playoffs last year for a fucking reason. Everyone thinks it's just the quarterback. I go back and rewatch the the, the minutes. If you, if you have Game Pass and if you're interested in watching it, I bet you I can find you a condensed version of it online. DM us. We can work something out because I want you all to see this. The Minnesota Vikings game that the Vikings tried to give to New York and their coaching staff was so inept they couldn't take it. To get into the red zone multiple times and then not run the football from inside the 15-yard line when you're the fucking Jets. Like, this is, there are bigger issues than just a quarterback there. 
and I think that all of these, I think these things are band-aids, Chris. I think that the, like, who's Nate Hackett? I don't know. One of the most, like, one of the most horrifically ineffective red zone play callers in recent history. And one of the worst head coaches ever. One of the worst head coaches in NFL history. That's not deniable. Imagine getting the job and getting fired. Like, well, what did he get fired? Like week 12? Something like that. <laughs> you, He's like you, Bobby Petrino all over again. You are a skid mark in the underpants of NFL history. Like th- that's the guy? So you brought in a quarterback whose team finally got sick of his shit. An offensive coordinator who was a head coach until he got fired, and when he was an offensive coordinator, didn't actually call plays. Um, you brought in, you married them with a head coach who wasn't great last year, whose team lost a lot of games they maybe could have won, but also showed up completely unprepared for some games that they got. Like, I'm sorry, but I just don't get the love affair. So even with all these advantages that they have, even with the like the way their schedule lays out more unfavorably than ours, I still don't see them as a threat to the Bills in the AFC East. Not yet. I need to see it. You have to go out there and make it work. I don't know. I just... And that's why these thought exercises, when you look through this, I think bear fruit. I think they're worthwhile. And I think that we just did more work again, in 50-ish minutes, than anyone that I've seen do at NFL Network or ESPN in at least six to seven months. True or false? True. Well, you know, there's nothing like patting yourself on the back. (laughs) Chris, this has been fun, but uh, I think we've bored these people enough. Yeah. We're going to get the hell out of here, guys. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report.